Welcome to the latest Gen X Music Show, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Uh, before I get started, I'd like to talk to you about Blanchard Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th in Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. When you go down, uh, just, you know, there's a, multiple options you can have, and, and one of them is either going in and picking up a bottle of wine, uh, like... Uh, like I know a lot of people do. You can have it delivered to you uh, locally, and you can also have it shipped to you if you're out of town. Um, and you can just go in and have socially distant, uh, great time with some friends that are, you know, small group of friends go in and enjoy all their reds, spectacular reds, their, their uh, partnership with a Western Slope uh, winery called Storm Cellars that does uh, Rieslings. And uh, anything you want, you know, they even have like a variety of desserts and, and meats and cheeses and all that stuff. They basically the whole experience. Uh, my favorite personally is the, the 2017 Cabernet, which is really, really good. Uh, once again, they're located between 18th and 19th and Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. When you go in, tell them Jeff Morton from CSG Podcast sent you there. You can also go to bfwdenver.com and uh book your virtual wine tasting today. I would also like to tell you about my friend Andy Feinstein. Please support our friends at Exo Event Center located in Denver's vibrant Rhino Arts District. Uh, Exo Events can host safe socially distanced events for 25 to up to 175 persons outdoors and up to 100 persons indoors. If you are interested in hosting an event for a corporate gathering, fundraiser, client appreciation, birthday or anniversary party, or morale boosting happy hour, Exo would welcome the, the opportunity to be part of it. Please visit exoevents.com for more information and book your private event today. Okay, welcome in to the latest Gen X music show. Uh, we've got the crew here with me. Um, coming all the way from the southwest corner of Denver, drinking uh, what appears to be a beer. Uh, a man I have known for as long as I've known these other two people. Um, and Longer. Longer, yeah, this is true. Longer, the first uh, one of the first people I met in the city where we met. I would like to introduce you to Mr. Joe. Hello, Joe. Hey, what's up, morning? And coming to you from not New Mexico, a uh, a gentleman who uh, shares much of the same taste in wine that as I do. I would like to introduce you to Pat Garen. Hello, Pat. Morty, good evening, sir. Great to be here. <laughs> And a man who is adjusting his camera. Um, uh, one Among of other the, things. One of... Uh, he's on mute. <laughs> who is, oh, he's still muted, yeah. He, who has muted all of us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and who is drinking an Oktoberfest beer. I'd like to introduce you to Magnus. Hello, Magnus. Brothers, mother, mother. All Alright, so today we are doing uh, songs that can be stories, uh, short stories, in, in just in a song. As good as any short story. Yes, and uh, I had a couple criteria for mine, mm -hmm. um, which was, Finally. which I'll get into when we get to me. But, uh, Pat, it's since we come... It's all about you, though, isn't it? What's that? It's all about you, though, isn't it? Well, normally things are, yes, but... Oh, okay. uh, but uh, uh, Pat, we come to you for uh, definitions and to start us off of the show, give us a, a little bit of grounding. So uh, when you're when you yourself were looking at like stories that could be just, you know, songs that could be just as good as any short story. Uh, did you have a personal criteria of how you approached the selection this week? Yeah, so I mean, I think that if you're too broad with this definition, then any song can kind of fit into it and tell a story. Um, and so I wanted to ensure that I didn't do that. So I wanted something that like specifically spelled out a story to the point where maybe even the lyrics weren't as melodic or perfect for what a song might encourage you to do or a songwriter might be encouraged to do when they're constructing a song. But instead they go with essentially a narrative yeah. through the balance of the song where they tell a story from start to finish. And so, um, you know, when I was, that's what I uh, used as my own metric. I know that um, it was hard to kind of push away from albums to do that because there's, you know, maybe another discussion involving that where there's a whole album where the arc of a story is told, but to find it in individual songs, um, I think is, uh, you know, gives those songs sort of even more meaning and even more reason for us to talk about them. 
Um, I've found, I found myself, and just to throw my own criteria in there, I, I, I had to limit myself away from concept albums because, mm-hmm. because I, 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 the, they're in the definition of a song within a concept album is only part of a story. And what mm-hmm. I was looking for was a complete story within a song. You know, Definitely. so I think that is where I did it. And I also I was going to uh, just to just to let you guys know, I was going to deliberately antagonize Joe and do 22 minute epics, prog rock songs. But <laughs> I, I would, just I would do it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I just decided not to this time and to focus on on some some brevity, some brevity this time. So uh, with that, uh, you know, guys should do an antagonizer podcast. That would antagonizer. be I really would love that. That sounds like a uh, two of you antagonizing one another. That sounds like a Dio album. Sure. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I, I Timely. Just, I think you know it. There is a danger here because any song tells a story, even yeah. if it's a story of a feeling or a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I confine myself to the criteria you just you know laid out, which is narrative, which means probably but not necessarily third person, mm-hmm. a definite beginning, middle, and end something that I think in my mind, I could flesh this out into a short story or even longer were mm-hmm. I so inclined. I think for me, you know, it's just modern songwriting is not inclined toward that by and large. I think that's definitely an older songwriting tradition to mm-hmm. tell narratives, mm-hmm. um, you know, since the sixties, less so. Uh, so I suspect a lot of our choices will be um, decades old. <laughs> but this is well, as always, it's pop music that like moves the needle away from sort of the core of the art that we talk about every single week on this show. That pop music is not designed to consume a story with a beginning, middle, and end. You know, half of it's based on like a bass line or a drum beat, and that's it. Yeah. So it's. Yeah. Uh, it's a different. It's a completely different category for sure. Well, Joe, mm-hmm. how, Joe, how did you approach this? Well, it's my idea. So I've been thinking <laughs> about it a lot longer than you guys. <laughs> so I want credit, damn it! I want credit. <laughs> um, no, I don't have that credit. I just no. I'm, I'm just, I'm just you, know. you have it now. I know. I do. <laughs> I'm just being honest. Um, no, so because it's just like, like, I had I had a, a half a mind. I think the reason I had the idea for it originally was someone like John Prine. I'd listened to someone like John Prine. And that's cheating because, like, you could use every single song he ever wrote is like a, a like better than most short stories. And um, it's freaking amazing song. So, well, I think uh, one John Prine should be celebrated at every at every opportunity. Yeah, well, totally. Just um, we might we might as well, but just Joe, we might as well dive in because you, this was this was kind of your the, the germ that started in your head. So let's let's hear number one from you because I I'm curious to. Oh, sure, uh, yeah. And to get, to get your uh, kind of feel on what on what your number one is and what kind of concept oh. you had going forward. I didn't really rank them so much. I or just whatever. Kinda... I mean, the first one. Yeah. The first one, I, I, the I one you will believe. say first. What's that? The one you will say first. Oh, just the one I'll say first. Yeah, I'll just start with basically the top of my list, which is um, uh, The Mercy Seat, uh, which is a song yeah. by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, which I don't know if you've ever heard the original song. It's kind of hard to understand the lyrics. It's a very... Yeah sonically complex song but then johnny Ca- johnny cash covered it on his third american recordings album and the lyrics are are amazing you know they're about a, a convict basically looking at the electric chair as if it's the throne of god more or less you know it's like in all of this yeah it's this story about this convict waiting to be executed and it's amazing so that's kind of my pretty, first one which pretty much guarantees that both nick cave and johnny cash will sing it right that's exactly. like right up yeah there. It's, it's their bread and <laughs> butter yeah. Of, I mean, there's uh, sure to be a yeah. true line of Johnny Cash throughout our discussions. Oh, yeah, big time. Yeah. And there should be Nick Cave, too, because he's a great storyteller. They're very much in the Excellent. same tradition as Cash. Great point. Have you ever heard uh, Let the Bells Ring, his tribute to Johnny Cash, Nick Cave and the Bells? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. great song. They were definitely brothers from another mother, like like Magnus likes to say. <laughs> like us and Magnus. Well, yeah. and, I, and I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Cash was, you know, Cash was really well known for his work with convicts and prison reform and you know advocating yeah. for, for that community so yeah you can, you're a you supporter of that too magnus because i'll be a member of that community well i um, that american recordings three is my favorite of his american recordings personally. i can see that yeah one of the yeah but uh but um as with any nick cave song uh it's 
sometimes it takes someone else to <laughs> bring out some clarity in his, his, his yeah. song. Well, especially with that one, because I don't know. I mean, I like the effect that the song has, but it's kind of, he's kind of yelling it and it's like, there's other stuff going on. He just, it's kind of a wasted opportunity in some sense. I've heard a, uh, I heard a more acoustic version of him doing it just with him and the piano, hmm. which is amazing. Kind of more like the, the, the cash version. You oh, can really wow. hear how good the lyrics are. Nice. Yeah, I saw Nick Cave in London, and he did it a piano acoustic version. Oh, very nice. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. All right, Magnus, number one. Uh, well, let's stick with Johnny Cash. Uh, it's not a Johnny Cash original pen tune, but he certainly made it famous. A long black veil. Oh. Uh, mm. Yes. I, you know, I think he, if I'm not mistaken, he performed it in on his first Johnny Cash television show. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. And uh, it's a story about uh, someone who's wrongfully accused of murder. Now, he has an alibi. Our protagonist has an alibi for why he mm-hmm. wasn't the murderer. But uh, his alibi is that he was um, with his best friend's wife. And mm-hmm. so rather than destroy their marriage, he willfully goes to the gallows. And the song is about the woman coming to his grave at night when she's alone in a long black veil because she can't, no one can see her mourn for him. Yeah, it's just it's so incredible. It's goth as hell and beautiful as hell, and Johnny Cash to the bone. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it really is a story. You know, he talks about the hangman says, "Son, where were you? If you have an alibi, you won't have to hang." And he tells the whole story about his trial and and then going up to the to the gallows and seeing her in the crowd watching mm-hmm. this execution. Yeah, she didn't even shed a tear. Like she was acting. Like she didn't care. Yeah. And that was the last thing he saw in his life is, you know, this person that he loved acting like she didn't care if he died or not because she had to act that way. Just absolutely amazing. And then it's been covered a million times. John, yeah. The John Cash version is still the best. Although Dave Matthews, I'm not a huge Dave Matthews fan, but he actually did a really good cover. I was going to read. I think uh, it was, they did really well for them and they, they did it really well live too. So huh. I got it. Yeah, and I think it might have been more a solo Dave Matthews cover that he did with Tim Reynolds. Yeah. Um, I'm not certain about that, but they do do a great cover. And honestly, like not to give it away too early here, but that's, I think, one of the best choices for this category. Like that yeah. song mm-hmm. is spun gold and uh, it's so lyrically perfect. And, you know, when you first start hearing it, it's like, oh, this is like a melodic, beautiful song. And then it, tragedy unveils throughout the lyrics and uh, yeah. tells that story through the full arc. And you gave a great synopsis of it, Magnus. Yeah. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. how, how could that not be on this list? And, uh, you know, yeah. you can make the case it's it's the best example of what the sort of spirit of this topic um, relies on. Well, it is yeah. it is there and resolved, yeah. you know. It, it, it is its own, it is its oh, own yeah. narrative. Right. And it is, it, it goes from beginning to end, which is really what we're, we're looking for yeah. on this. And I, and I do... And I do really like that uh, uh, Cash's version a lot. Uh, that's probably my preferred one. My favorite version, actually, um, n- not to put anything against the Cash version, is or the one I, I probably heard the most is uh, the band did it on songs from Big Pink. Oh, oh, oh yeah, they did. Yeah, it so great. Yeah, I, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. At, uh, great choices all around so far. Pat, Pat you uh, have, yeah. Pat, your first choice. Oh, Ma- 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 uh, Magnus is just like I've checked out. Oh, there he is. Oh, there he is. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> just, just, fuck it. <laughs> on our toes. When's, the, when's my I next got, choice? I got. I got my one in. I'm done. <laughs> I was yeah, already told yeah. it's the best. Best one. So see you later. So uh, Pat. Yeah. Uno. Well, I mean, I'm afraid that you know we could all have chosen this next song. I think mm-hmm. that it's the most perfect example of it you know hurricane by bob dylan um is literally just a story a true story that we all may know about or may have learned about in the movie made about it Mm -hmm. but the story is all told in the song and uh kind of what i said as my um my my parameters that i put into place was that it was you know a narrative tale i mean this is a perfect example it like name checks the characters by name refers to them in multiple verses even if it's just like um you know the person that's calling the police it talks about a very um 
at the time controversial story, you know, where mm. uh, this boxer was accused of murder and convicted of it. And there was some sort of dubious nature to the investigation. And that's all fleshed out in this magical mm-hmm. song that the album version, I think clocks in at over eight minutes. Mm-hmm. And uh, on top of it, in addition to telling the story, it's not just like an old folk song with some like light guitar in the background, like advancing a narrative. It's a, yeah. it has a great melody. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think if you just heard it on the radio, it would be like a pleasing sound. And then to, to dive into the content, uh, really underscores, um, why I think this is a perfect example. I consider yeah. that as, as a whole category itself. There's been a lot of great songs that are based on true stories. I don't know if you guys have ever heard, uh, two daughters and a beautiful wife by uh, drive by truckers really really sad story but another good example of of that kind of songwriting there's been a lot of great songs that were yeah true stories that are just sort of made into ballads you know well it's, that is, the song actually led to some some actual real world changes right as yeah. far as ex- mm-hmm. ace and getting some legal so mm-hmm, exactly magnus and so the space between um you know a piece of journalistic work or a, a piece of poetry or something and a song gets much smaller there because it ends up having that type of impact by com- by conveying this tale yeah. of ultimately like a wrongly convicted person for a murder um to the point where there is resolution that comes after the song is written mm-hmm. you know the stories seem to have been told within the the lyrics of the song itself but the story continues yeah. afterwards. We're going yeah. to pin this triple murder on him. Oh, yeah. How dare you, Morty? I just said, yeah. what a great mentality <laughs> it has. Uh, it is, it's, it's certainly, it takes some liberties with some of the actual events, but it's very, uh, and that's why I kind of don't mind it being in this, uh, Joe, because it's, it does kind what of, we, we, it kind of, does kind of fudge on the matter if it's a, it doesn't matter if it's a completely true story. That's yeah. not the great. It's, it's based like, on true events, but you know, yeah, a lot of yeah. great, a lot of great fiction is based on true events too. But um, yeah. it is, it is. But, but it's a story. It tells yeah, the story. story Morty. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Morty. I mean, I was only getting extra credit from Joe for it actually being true. But in general, there's no obligation for songs that tell a short story to be factually correct. Hey, I yeah, mean, yeah. I, I, it's got no complaints for me. In fact, you could have chosen any song from Desire. Because they, know, the, the and that's what I was afraid of. Is it's kind of cliche, but it, it, again, it, this song uh, stands out. It does. Oh, no. It's Dylan. the best song on the album. I avoided Dylan just because I thought it was too easy, but that's still a really great example. Yeah, you know, it is. I think a, "Tangled a, Up in Blue" may be better than any short story I've ever read. I mean, it's like it's one of those songs. I mean, it's like because it like it defies storytelling convention on more yeah. than any most almost any short story I've ever read. You know, it's like. And, it's for exactly those reasons that, you know, Bob Dylan is, uh, you know, recipient of the Nobel Prize in Literature. Yeah, which he didn't even want. Which he didn't want. <laughs> which or makes accepted. it even cooler. Except, yeah, exactly. Cooler. You know, Pat, I, 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 was, I completely agree with the choice on that album because it's the best song on Desire, too. Um, it's the, the best musically, too. Which I think yeah. is for me, it's part of the deal here too. I mean, sometimes it, the words get bogged down uh, in the music, or the music gets bogged down in the words. And a lot of uh, uh, story songs will get that way because sometimes the music is just a means to put your words on top of it. But I think it works particularly with the uh, the, the violin slash oh, oh, uh, uh, Parlor Review, right? and, and also yeah. that Bob Dylan is telling the story you know yeah. it's mm-hmm. uh it's like there he's told a lot of stories as you guys are saying but it's like the fact that this is a, he's the one telling this tale is mm-hmm. uh is so critical um you know because he transcends all those sort of uh that i mean this song was relevant like super relevant in the 90s when the movie came out and yeah, you know, people yeah. continue to look at it you know mm-hmm. Good um, movie too which, yeah, great movie. You know, it won uh, the Golden Globe for Best Picture and Denzel oh, yeah. Washington was yeah. like, in, you know, uh, nominated for Best Actor. Yeah, great really film. Yeah. Would that movie have been made had the song not existed? Oh, definitely no, not. not. And, no. the song, and no. I believe the song is prominent in the movie. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I think so. It's been a while, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I completely agree with that. And that's a good choice there, uh, Pat. Um, my choice is a guy I, I have a feeling will feature we will feature again uh in this discussion is uh, a song from an album called uh nebraska 
and that is uh, a song called Hi Highway Patrolman, my favorite song on that album. Ooh. And the Rated Wolf feature again. Uh, I am... Highway Patrolman is a great story about a cop who has a no good brother and but you love him anyway kind of thing and you bailing him out of trouble and you look the other way because he's your brother and it is very it is very good narrative in a fairly short song uh done in his and i mean if anyone no one listening to this has heard nebraska that's bruce springsteen's album it's, it's very spare uh mm -hmm. it's just him and a acoustic guitar Recorded on a four track. Yep, recorded on a four track. And uh, if you're not familiar with it, Atlantic City is on that album. Um, oh, best reasons on ever. Yeah. Right. We, that, I don't think we're talking about that song tonight, but that's a fantastic song oh, as well. Yeah, it is. Uh, I mean, and just to under, agree, Joe, and just yeah. to, sorry to interrupt you, Morty, but just to mm -hmm. underscore, that album has you know Atlantic City on it. And then there's other songs we're also going to yeah. talk about that aren't that. Yeah. yeah, State Trooper is another good song on there. Um, mm -hmm. uh, Highway Patrolman is the one that stood out to me because it's the one that is just uh, the most, it fits to me the best part of the album Nebraska. And it's got that story into it. And, mm -hmm. and I, I fudged a bit on it because technically, technically, Nebraska is a quote concept album, but it's not. It is no. a, it's a, it's a themed album of, of, yeah. of, of a certain thing. And, uh, but I couldn't get away from the fact that it's such a good, concise, really um, amazing narrative within a, like I said, a fairly short song. That... The short story, was, the song was made into a movie. There was yeah. enough narrative in that song to yeah. be made into a movie. Which is, which, is, which is kind of something endemic to Bruce Springsteen, right? Yeah. It, it is, he's something very good at that sort of thing. So yeah, that yeah. Uh, Highway Patrolman, that's, uh, that's one that I, I just... It was one of the first ones I thought of. Honestly. That's a good movie. Too. Seen the Indian Runner? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Great movie. David Morse. Great cast. Viggo Mortensen. Way pre Lord of the Rings. Viggo Mortensen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> last, oh, last Charles really? Bronson. Last Charles Bronson role. He died after that movie. Oh, Joe, wow. You bring yeah. it every week. Yeah. This is what I love about you. Well, thank you. Thank you. What detail. Which I, I, I think... <laughs> Speaking of that, I mean, I think that's what makes uh, this song a perfect candidate for this category is it's like name checking the people involved. It's talking about the years that things are happening. Mm -hmm. Like there's all sorts of like sort of prose that is so narrative that it could have been easily something that you read in a published book. Oh, totally. um, but, you know, Springsteen turns it into a song and we're all better off for it. Yeah, does he uh, ever. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, 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 this is like, I'm afraid that we're going to have this another one of these things where we're gonna, all going to agree with each other. But <laughs> but it's okay, because these are all good songs, people. Yeah. These are all good songs. Uh, I'm sure I'll, 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 I'll interject a note of disagreement. Ooh, here it comes. Uh -oh. um, I think Hurricane is the, the least of the songs on Desire. It, it pales mm. next to ISIS. Oh I love God. ISIS. Married ISIS. Yeah. Just to be clear, Hurricane is a perfect example of what we're talking about for our purposes here. I don't think it's the best song on the album. That's my only disagreement so far. It's a mild one. I mean, no, it's not even part yeah. of the discussion is whether it's a good song on an individual album. And also, <laughs> if you're going to talk about the songs, do it during the, the talking of the song. You've moved on. I was trying to, to be cordial. That's you know, why I let you it slide. Raise your, like, oh, try to be cordial. I've never, had a, I've never had a discussion to, with you where cordial behavior became uh what prevented you from sharing your views yeah, yeah no magnus was i could see him the whole time he's like i, I gotta say Fuck something her. about that i gotta say something <laughs> i don't care what i don't care about highway patrolman i gotta say something about hurricane i'll wait my turn though i'll wait i'll wait five minutes when we're done with that and i'll circle back <laughs> yeah because morty reminded me that uh, dissension is encouraged in this <laughs> well then i'm like holy yeah. shit here we go exactly uh all right, all right joe number two well, we got to stick with Ray Springsteen because my second song, and that again, these aren't in any kind of order, <laughs> but my song of the three um, is My Father's House on that same album. Yeah, great song. Which is the most heartbreaking song I've ever heard in my entire life, yeah. but a great start. At the same, you know, that's God. number one most depressing song because you're, you know, the depressing songs. That's number one, huh? I know that's on, the, like, on a song full of depressing, uh, an album full of depressing <laughs> songs. That's the most depressing right. song. That, that's quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> like you can hear the you know the ambulances right after you hear it you know like 
mm-hmm. it was like suicide watch after something like that but yeah i know it's about a guy who dreams has a dream one night about his father um you know like he he's he's lost in the woods and he runs through the through the forest to get back to his father and falls in his arms when he's a little boy and he realizes when he woke up that like he should try to mend fences with his father so he goes to find him and goes to the house where they lived and this is he's doesn't even say how many years it's been you know in between but when he gets there there's someone he doesn't know and she doesn't know what happened to that guy so his father he, he he'll never know what happened to his father he's just gone forever you know maybe alive maybe dead it's yeah it's like if you don't cry or not cry but if you don't least feel sad after that you are pure evil a manly a manly misting is definitely appropriate oh exactly yeah yeah at least yeah great choice joe yeah for sure and i mean this furthers the point that this category is like basically a layup for the likes of Bruce Springsteen. I mean, oh, we're talking about Dylan. We're talking about Springsteen. Yep. These yeah. are guys that bring it with the songwriting. Yeah. yeah. All those guys. Yeah. They're, this is their, their wheelhouse. And it's, a uh, it's not a wheelhouse we see very much anymore. And I think no, more, yeah. more for Springsteen though, because not in mainstream, the, the boss, the yeah. boss at least, uh, Unlike Dylan, ten, Dylan does tend to be a little more opaque than than Springsteen does. Sure. Uh, uh, Springsteen no, is very clear, concise, yeah. exactly what he's talking about, and I think that yeah. helps with him in this category because it's just I think, something you can grab onto. Yeah, and I think that's a reflection of the generations. You know, I mean, Dylan was saying, I mean, Dylan playing electric guitar blew people's freaking mind, and half of them were or more were angry about it. Where yeah. once that those trails were blazed, and Springsteen was able to be like, "Hey, yeah, I'm writing these songs, and I'm telling these stories, and I'm not going to make any apologies about it." You know? Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's a, and that's a great song. Uh, I, I can't listen to it that often, Joe. It's very no, me neither. Like I said, it's, it's too damn sad. Yeah. It's very sad. I, I yeah, yeah. You know, it's one of those. It's one of those that, but I, when I ever I hear it, I'm like, God, God damn, that's a good song. You know? Yeah, totally. So, yeah. all right, uh, Patrick, number two. Uh, so my uh, next choice here um, is uh, the song "Fast Car" by Tracy Chapman. Yeah, so good. And uh, I know we mentioned we kind of spoke about this beforehand, or, or talked about it briefly, and this just comes to mind for me so much because I didn't know who Tracy Chapman was. I thought it was. A, a male at first um and then as i dug into it and you know this was like the breakthrough album in like 1992 or something like that yeah um i don't remember the exact year when was it joe oh it was was late night yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. but i mean in such a concise way it talks about sort of like the struggles that the characters are going through due to like their race it talks about addiction it talks about like you know leaving a an, a, an abusive or uh, addicted partner and it just tells a story that is like um so relatable to people that maybe we've all known in our lives or a story that is out you know that like you can relate to as having happened to a person mm-hmm. and um <laughs> yeah and so I thought it was a natural choice for me because also in my own personal experience this is one of the songs that I heard like earlier on in my exploration of the music and it was like wow this told a whole story and three minutes or whatever it is and uh and it's a compelling story and i could listen to that song you know a thousand times um and be interested in what's being said each time that's another good album as far as having a lot of songs like that it's kind of like nebraska maybe i i I don't know every song on nebraska tells a concise story pretty much um there are songs on tracy chapman's first album that are definitely more pop kind of songs i mean they're still like have messages behind them or whatever but there's more than a few songs on that album that are like fast car that tell Mm -hmm. like a you know, and I think story. that fits into what we what we're saying here, which is like this is a unique genre of songwriting. It's a different yeah. sort of type of person that writes these songs because their albums then have numerous examples of it, yeah. um, and it it does sometimes allow them to cross over into some pop music mm. where they're recognized by people that aren't just naturally drawn to them because they're fans or they're fans of their genre but that they have exposure to them because they cross over into popular culture or pop mm-hmm. music and yeah. uh that's why then they be they have this longevity and so people that are really you know attracted to the music like us that can go back and make you know associations with it or say like oh you know this is um a good example of the style of music that clearly we yeah. all can find uh, that we enjoy yeah, for sure. Well, and this is good. People got to keep in mind here. This is pre Melissa Etheridge, pre, uh-huh. pre, um, oh, 
Indigo she Girls. Was around, she hadn't had a hit yet. Yeah, I she hadn't had, she had a hit. But she she had a hit yet. And, you know, pre-Sheryl Crow. I mean, this, oh, is, yeah, this is like a singer-songwriter-y um, kind of exploration of something that uh, a lot of people... Suzanne Vega is another great example. Yeah, Suzanne Vega. Yeah, uh, that a lot of people couldn't relate to, uh, and yet it was done in an extremely um, pop-friendly manner, and mm-hmm. it became a hit. It became a, a, a big yeah, hit, as far as I remember. Yeah, so yeah, it, wasn't uh, it, was yeah. Next, it was all over the radio. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. you you couldn't get away from it in the late late 80s. It was, yeah. it was, and it was a top 10 hit for sure, and mm-hmm. um, it was wildly successful. It, it uh, catapulted that whole album, I think, um, to uh, wide success. I think that it definitely is... Um, a song that a song that endures, and I, I like Joe's alluding. So I think the album endures over time, mm-hmm. and all those examples of Suzanne Vegas and others, I think, did come later. You know, and um, and this was a song that talked about things that um, were sort of difficult, um, especially in that era in pop music, and it made it easy to listen to a story yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah. I think another thing too. It's like, um, like especially if something strong melodically. I mean, how many people like listen on the radio, listen to the words, you know, mm-hmm. like that's another thing too. Like that song is like, unless you really start listening to it, like, man, this song is depressing. You're like, but like, you might just yeah. be like, oh, this is, this is pleasant on my, yeah. on my morning commute. All you hear yeah. is we got a fast car, you know. And you then, got a fast, like, oh, I love fast cars. Yeah, those are great. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's what makes these so- a song that combines those things so interesting is that you yeah. can do both. If you can tell a story, but also yeah. be sort of melodic enough that you're on top 40 radio in the yeah. late 80s and people are hearing it. And then oftentimes, you know, the introspection into the song comes later. You go out and buy the album at your local, yeah. uh, sure. um, you know, t- 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 cassette store or whatever was going on at that time. <laughs> local Sam Goody. And, uh, and yeah. Sam Goody, you know, Tower, I heard about that one on Tower. TV when I was living in, when we were living in Steamboat Springs in 1980. Yes, I believe uh, there was a, one of the CD clubs of the BMG or Columbia House I was involved in, and that was my parents acquiring it at one time, yes. and then, you know, being able to listen to it. So, it was uh, current at the time. I think it stands up well. There's cover versions of it. They're still done today that, you know, continue to keep that song alive, and are pretty remarkable, and anyhow. I'll look that up. I've never heard. Of, I've never heard a cover of that song. Uh, yeah, I think uh, one of my favorites is by the uh, British musician Passenger, who uh, is a singer-songwriter type guy, and he does a great cover of it. He has a, a covers album, and that's I think the first track off of it. Cool, I'll look that up. All right, uh, Magnus, number two. Um, uh, great choices, all guys. Really happy with all of these choices. You can't really argue with any of them. I'm yeah. going to come back to something we were talking about earlier with my next choice, which is songs about true stories. And whether, you know, whether or not to alter some details if you're writing about a true story. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is a very interesting song. It's a great song, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Uh, what's interesting about it is that Gordon Lightfoot was writing about a very real tragedy that had just happened. Yeah. I think the, the ship went down in 75 and his album oh, came in 76. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So he he must have been writing about it as he was learning about it and as it was in the news. And my understanding is, is that he was, because it was such a fresh story and there were real people involved who had lost loved ones. He tried really hard to get the details right. And even in subsequent recordings have altered some things to get them even more accurate in light of subsequent information. Um, I I think uh, it was his producer who told him as he was writing it, kind of struggling to get the facts right and fit it into the structure and the rhyme. Don't worry about it. Just tell the story and your writer's block will go away. And he did. And the story the story came out with a few altered details. Um, so I think that was the right um, advice from his producer. But um, like all of the songs on my list, it's about death. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> it's a great subject. You know? yeah. yes. but, but just so, you know, again, you have a beginning, a middle and an end. You have a ship sailing out um for cleveland according to the song in reality it was detroit um (laughs) and everything seems to be going according to normal storm comes and things get progressively worse until the crew realizes there's no way out and um just really haunting and i mean just an incredible story and and very beautiful folk-esque um structure yeah um, 
It's a you great song. A few lines of it for us, please. Me? You got to sing yeah. with that Canadian You're accent. Yeah. I can do a direct of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Yeah, <laughs> um, I'm gonna I'm gonna decline to compete with Mr. Lightfoot. Okay, I, I can oh, perhaps that's Morty. Fair. The Leslie's arm from the Chippewa on down. From the big lake they <laughs> call Kitchigumi. <laughs> I mean, what's a, and that's a great example. What's incredible about that song craft is that he was able to fit these Canadian and Native American names into these rhyme schemes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Points for that point. But great example of a third person narrative tells a story from reading Middle Nand. A true yeah. story as a songwriting uh, challenge. Very difficult. Great song. Yeah, totally. Uh, totally. So Love Gordon Mitchell. Listening to Beautiful a lot. I, that one was one of his hits, but I'd completely forgotten about it until just like recently. It was like one of his big hits. It's on the same album as uh, Don Quixote. I don't know if you guys remember mm-hmm. that one. Yeah, yep. but really great song. Yeah, great songwriter. I, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's probably one of his most famous songs, too. Definitely. Um, yeah, probably, yeah. Interestingly, like, yes. Three, and it is a great song. As a matter of fact, I think why one of the great metrics of why this song is perfect for this category is because many people have no clue what the hell the Edmund Fitzgerald was, but yeah. I guarantee you the Wikipedia lookup stats for that particular entry are all based on coming across the song by Gordon Lightfoot. It's all the songs and, uh, first and then the exes after. Yes. Yeah. What a storyteller. Yeah. What a perfect song, oh, yeah. and yeah. what and it gets into those things that that I enumerated earlier that I think are so important: the specificity of the location or the people or the those things, and works them into the lyrics as if it were oh. you know on the pages of a printed book I think, or right. a poetry. Patrick, it's the specificity that really brings it to life. You know, when he mm-hmm. says mm-hmm. at seven p.m. they had water coming in. I mean, you know, like you can yeah. see someone looking oh, at the clock and knowing yeah. like, oh, this is when we're gonna die. This is the moment I realize we're gonna die. <sighs> Well, and, uh, he said later that he sh- got the idea or like wanted to write about it after he saw the article in Newsweek. Mm. So it was oh, like he he saw the the magazine. He hadn't n- known about it in real time. Uh, he saw the magazine in News uh, Newsweek, the story on it, and he decided to write a song on it, which is I think even more um, like amazing because some of the stuff he really had to. I mean, think about how, trying to ha, having to write about this sort of thing with the sensitivity to the people whose uh, families were lost and that sort of thing, and still oh, yeah. managing to come up with what really is one of his two to three signature songs. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely amazing. It's sunny. Yeah. Yeah. And also, guys, remember Newsweek? Yes, I, I do. I, I don't remember Newsweek, but I... I do remember this song was a joke on Seinfeld. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> when that's Elaine a, that's said, why you know it's appropriate. Yeah, yes. Elaine said, oh, I love Edmund Fitzgerald's voice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I remember it. And song. Jerry goes, no, Gordon Lightfoot was a singer. Edmund Fitzgerald was the, the ship. And she goes, no, I think Edmund Fitzgerald was a singer. Or and, uh, Gordon Lightfoot was the ship. And he goes, yeah. And it was rammed by the cat Stevens. Stevens. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> uh, so great. Uh, well, oh, good. Uh, that is a perfect uh, time for us to take a break. Just we'll be back in just a sec. Well, speaking of the gales of November, it is not quite there yet, but we will be coming back to week five of the NFL right now. And uh, look, some of you lost some money. Some of you won some money. Uh, speaking of winning money, Patrick, did you win any money this year? Yes. Uh, I was so excited for sports to come back because sports gambling became legal and Mm -hmm. there were no sports for like four more months. Uh, So uh, I have been able to uh, be uh, judicious in uh, making some small wagers from time to time. And they've, uh, they've proved out, they proved to be fruitful thus far. So uh, get involved. Uh Get involved, and week five is in the books now, and it's time to review the tape and get ready for week six. There's no better place to get in all the action than DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. To add the excitement of week six, DraftKings Sportsbook is bringing back their can't-miss offer. If you can't, haven't tried DraftKings Sportsbook yet, please head on over to the App Store now because you don't want to miss this. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new users a chance to receive a sign-up bonus of up to $1,000. Patrick, you have already signed up. So you are not eligible for this offer, right? But if you are not, but like, I already took advantage. 
Yes, yes. But if you are if you are someone who wants to follow in Pat's footsteps here, you need to get on over to double Draft your Kings, paycheck, double your paycheck, and come in yes. and uh, get a sign up bonus of up to one thousand um, dollars. On top of that great sign up offer, DraftKings is off, uh, offers great odds boosts every Sunday to make it rain, and rain is spelled R E I G N, just for your information. And on top of that sign up offer. Uh, Wait, I already read that. Don't worry uh, if football isn't for you. DraftKings is giving you basketball fans two, a 200% profit boost on any basketball market once you sign up. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code MHS when you sign up and get $1,000. That's code MHS to get a sign-up bonus of up to $1,000 for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 Colorado only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right. Getting to my choice uh, for number two now. And I went with Dylan, but I went with Dylan in a different context. And uh, that is from... Jacob. <laughs> yes, oh God, no! We didn't joke I, about that. One headlight, Joe. One headlight. Oh, no, never. <laughs> great album. Great musician. I don't know why you're talking smack. About that. <laughs> uh, it is Tweeter and the Monkey Man from the Traveling Wilburys. Uh, yeah, monkey Man. What a what a choice. That wow. is great. And But the interesting thing about this, and this is why it fits into the context of this evening amongst the, the uh, quartet of us, is this is a very Bruce Springsteen-sounding Bruce song. Um, yeah. It is, it is done it's in, in Jersey. Yeah, it's Jersey. Uh, it is very much a – it is done with the Dylan flair because it's kind of – once again, it's opaque. It's not – you don't get a true sense of what the narrative is, but it mm-hmm. is it is not as linear, definitely, as a, as a Bruce Springsteen song. But with the chorus of "and the walls came down," that's a great um, yeah chorus. I love that. All the way to hell. Um, that George Harrison over that chorus, by the way. Yeah. Yes. What's that? What'd you say? Matt? I didn't get that. Uh, George Harrison claimed to have written that chorus. Oh, yes, yes. Well, that definitely wasn't a Dylan chorus, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's actually uh, like the Traveling Wilburys version of Lily Roseberry and the Jack of Hearts. Mm-hmm. Isn't that kind of like the same kind of story? Yeah. That's yeah. Good. yeah. It, it is, it is it, and it's a quirky song. Uh, it's about basically some crime, crime to people. Mm-hmm. My favorite line is uh, Janet told him, oh, no, not that one. It was. Uh, uh, Jan said to the monkey man, I'm not fool- fooled by Tweeter's curl. I knew it long before he became a Jersey girl, which was like <laughs> just enough, just, just quirky enough to kind of like throw into that song. Uh, but it is a, it, it is a complete narrative because he ends the song as the narrator in a bar, right? He, he, can, yeah. like, he it's as if this That's guy cool. is sitting in a bar talking about the song, right? I think maybe for people who might be listening to this, I think you should explain what the Traveling Wilburys are because I I bet there's almost nobody who knows what that is. They were oh. a they were a syndicate. No, um, <laughs> a super band. A super a yeah. su- super group formed of Tom Petty, George Harrison, Jeff Lynne, and uh, Bob Dylan and George Harrison. And Roy Orbison was in there in the first. Roy Orbison. Yeah, Roy yeah. Orbison and and. It was like it came together by accident because uh, George Harrison was looking to record a B-side to his uh, uh, one of his songs on uh, uh, Cloud Nine, I think. And, yeah, that makes sense. And it kind of just stemmed from that project there. And Jeff Lynne produced that album, right? Yes, he did. And yeah. then they kind of got together at Bob Dylan's house in in California, and they yeah. they came up with this uh, entire album. And this song, it's it's amazing. It's a, uh, it's not as Dylan dominated as the second album was. Uh, yeah, yeah, but for it sure. Is... I love that first album. I remember having that on tape. That's another one of those early memories of buying, mm-hmm. you know, tape cassettes, which most people also listening to this probably don't remember. What yes, those cassette were. tapes. No, put them in a well, if, <laughs> if people yeah. don't know about cassette tapes, they're not going to be interested in anything that we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Good point, Matt. I forgot. Thank you yeah, for keeping me 
grounded. Or eight yeah. tracks in some cases. Uh, I remember yeah. the only eight track I ever saw in my life was Joe's Cordoba. <laughs> Joe's Cordoba. Hey, so. Seventy-seven Cordoba. I got and what a beast it was. A sweet beast. Hey, the ladies is loved it. it. That, um, the tweeter and the monkey man was actually deliberately like name checking Bruce Spring the names of Bruce Springsteen songs. I had always heard that. That it was an homage to Springsteen, and that there's titles of Bruce Springsteen songs scattered throughout. Is that well, not true? Well, there, he does that. name check Thunder Road in it. He does. Oh, okay. It was out what? on Thunder Road. Tweeter oh, and yeah. the wheel. I forgot about the line. Wow. I'm going to look that up because I remember hearing that yeah. it was an homage to Springsteen, and that there's clues throughout. You know. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely going to listen to that again. Then. Yeah, it's, an, sure. it's an extremely clever song. One I've always appreciated. One of the standout tracks on that album, which is a great album. I suggest yeah. anyone go out and, and check it out. Um, it yeah. It's, it's good call. Very, it's very accessible, and all the songs generally are good. So yeah, uh, yeah Tweeter and the Monkey Man from uh, it's ba- it's a Bob Dylan song, but it's in a different context. So that's where I go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good call. All right, uh, J B H, what do you got? Um, yeah, uh, I'm gonna go back to sad songs again. Unfortunately, I don't. I just only really thought of that as we, after we got started. All the songs I've picked are other than Mercy Seat, which is kind of a downer too. Mm-hmm. The other two are just incredibly sad songs. And my third choice is uh, Martha by Tom, Tom Waits. Mm-hmm. It's off his very first album. And it's all about a guy, obviously, um, in the context of the song, Tom Waits was probably only like in his 20s when he recorded that. That was in 1973, his first album. But, he played, but in, in the role, he's an old man calling a woman who he was once in love with and seeing how she's doing and talking about his life and how it's gone and how her life has gone and, and, and wishing that they hadn't parted. And it's another one of those that missed it. What did you say, uh, Magnus, uh, uh, a manly misting. It, mm-hmm. it should be, should happen after you've listened to it. Yeah. It's one of those. It's appropriate. Things. It's appropriate in some instances. That would be one yeah. for sure. It's like that, like that and getting hit by a car. It's like those two things were like, it's okay. I don't know if I agree with that, but yes. yes. <laughs> I mean, you, you should be allowed to be moved by any form of art. It and, is. And, uh, I cry, I cry like know. a baby all the time, but I'm not really what you'd call a man, quote unquote. Like, you know, you're a man's man, Joe. What are you talking about? No, not so much. I mean, I'm. I'm oh, come on. You're fine, I'm fine gentlemen. It's all yeah. right to uh, to emote with, uh, with a song or a movie or any sort of uh, thing That's like big. that. And, I know and, you were so sensitive. So yes, you did. How dare you? So beautiful, you said that, Pat. I think I um, I'm, I'm just here to provide cover for you, gentlemen, <laughs> and your refusal to acknowledge that the fact that you like sad bastard music is because you're a sad bastard, and that it connects with you, and it's that's true. Uh, that's and I'm okay. I'm not crying. Thank you. Jo- Joe's I'm always happy. I'm surprised. Uh, I'm just Joe. I'm just surprised you didn't choose. What's he building? Oh man, any of uh, Tom Waits' spoken word stuff is some of my favorite stuff of his too. You know, just like. But that doesn't does that count though? I mean, that's, 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 oh, yeah, no, not really. Yeah, yeah no. it's not a song. So, yeah. yeah, it's not a song. You're, you're talking about, and he was really influenced by. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Ken Nordine, but he was a. Uh, he had a thing called word jazz. He actually had an album of it in like the '60s. Mm. It was. It was literally like it was just kind of poetry. Uh, he this he wasn't unique with this either. Like think about like Jack Kerouac being on like the Steve Allen show, mm-hmm. and Steve Allen would play the piano, and and Kerouac would read his poems over, over Steve Allen's piano. Mm-hmm. There's actually a whole album of that, um, stuff like that. So I mean, this like kind of you know, it's very jazzy. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I deep cuts, Joe. Deep. Cuts. I don't think, and this is the one that I I I, I did. I, I, you know, when you're thinking about this song, Tom Waits has had a very, very varied career, uh, yeah. where he has sounded completely different than he did later in his career. Oh God, yeah, it yeah, is. he started, like he adopted a Louis Armstrong sound pretty early on, like within mm-hmm. like by like the third album, and then he started uh, adding Helen Wolf into it. He kind of yes. sounds like a cross between like that first album and like Helen Wolf. I don't know if you listen to any like yeah great old Helen Wolf songs, mm-hmm. but it's like he does. He kind of sounds like a cross between what he actually sounds like and Helen Wolf now. Yeah. Was, yeah. Uh, what's he building in there? That's a great uh, one. For, Especially for Halloween. Um, That's a Halloween song. There was one. Totally. Tom Waits is definitely, his influence as a songwriter definitely exceeds his impact 
in chart success for sure. Yeah. People have no idea how many Tom Waits songs have been covered that were big oh, yeah. hits that he influenced. Well, yeah. Downtown People Train. That Bruce Springsteen wrote Jersey Girl because it's like, wouldn't Bruce Springsteen have written that song? Doesn't yeah. that make sense? But yeah. it's like, nope, Tom Waits wrote that song. Well, no, yeah, yeah. yeah let me say Downtown Train. Uh, the, the yeah, Rod Stewart, Stewart had a huge that. hit yeah. on that song. Yeah. And that's, yeah. Uh, I think that's the, the most popular ever uh bruce uh excuse me that the tom Waits song song that he yeah covered cover yeah probably such an enormous hit in the late 70s late 80s so we talked about it too the ramones cover and uh i don't want to grow up i was just gonna say that that was the the ramones last um hit you could say was a cover of a tom Waits song yeah yeah yeah. used beautifully in uh, i don't know if you guys have seen jojo rabbit but uh yes they used tom Waits version in that one yeah, now but, I almost can't separate those two things because they're so it's so perfectly used in that movie. Oh yeah, it's, it, that's a great movie. Great yeah. observation. I highly recommend everyone see uh, Jojo Rabbit. Um, yeah. So Patrick, number yeah. three. Uh, so it was hard to you know wedge the numerous choices that were bouncing around in my head, but I chose for its kind of clarity um, and brevity the uh, song Fortunate Son by Creed Clearwater Revival nice. which I'm generally not a fan of <laughs> personally really? I think they have a lot of kind of I don't want to get into it Joe but anyway um, <laughs> this song transcends sort of like time uh, before the song was written it can apply to all kinds of stories that may have been told or that we can imagine and you know current day it's basically you know the notion that you're just like some regular schmo you're not anything special and in relation to a fortunate son you have it a lot harder and i think that you know it's a song that follows the constructs of like a pop or a rock song with like choruses that repeat itself over and it basically i think is like only three or four verses but it tells a whole story and uh, you can relate to it and it's still kind of referred to as uh very timely especially for the war in vietnam at the time yes exactly and there's no way to understand that time better than through the songs and this is such a perfect sort of representation of that i mean that's before my time but i feel like i lived it because uh you know i've been able to observe the music from that era and the story this song tells i think is an interesting story you know relating to uh yes the the sort of like difficult topic that was uh, vietnam in that era well yeah the interesting thing to me was i remember like it was like 2002 they they turned that song into a a levi's commercial and they they said uh uh, what they did was they cut it off uh some folks were born made to raise a thing Ooh, they're red white and blue and then they cut it off because the because you know this is right after 9-11 so everyone's waving the flag and all that so but then right after well, that line is like and when the band plays hail to the chief who they point the cannon at you oh you know that yeah. sort of thing and i'm like oh my god you you people just like just use the snippet of this song and you completely bastardize the meaning of it. Like just that. for this, yeah. like, fucking are Morty, you yeah. should write down, you should write down uh, songs that have been bastardized um, as a topic to go, to go over. Because oh, I think okay. that we could have That's a amazing. great conversation about exactly what you're pointing out there, where they, mm-hmm. you know, they cut these snippets out in order to meet some sort of like um, communal feeling, but the song actually represents the opposite. And so it's so like, you know, it's yeah. an outrage. Well, it's funny. Fogarty doesn't own the rights to Credence. He got no. sued for copying himself. Yeah. <laughs> he got sued for the old man old is man down across the road. Yeah. Down yeah. To, like run yeah. through the jungle. Yeah. So he had yeah. to go into court and defend himself against himself. So I mean, how ridiculous that. Yeah. Tells you everything you need to know about why musicians hate record companies, right? Oh, and yeah. Mar- right Morty, write yeah. that down. We can do a whole show on the <laughs> screwing of artists <laughs> when yeah. it comes to music. And imagine, oh, just take the thought, pro- the thought project for one moment. Think about all the music that never got made because mm. of the goddamn record business and how it you know, uh, permeated the whole industry for its whole inception, you know, up until semi-recently where people can just do things on their own and release it on iTunes. Uh, Patrick, before we move on to, to, to more, uh, Morty's pick, I have to say I'm a little surprised at you not throwing in a Jason it, uh, Isbell song. Well, Joe, it's funny that you say that because I was just a moments ago in our break toying in my mind about one of many Jason Isbell songs. Mm-hmm. And, and the one I was going to choose was Children of Children. Because oh, um, I... 
It's on um, something more than free. And it basically tells the story of a person that has, you know, a child as a teenager and what, and from the child's perspective and being like, Hey, you sacrificed so much anyway, because I didn't choose it. I want to go too deep into it, but I was afraid that it wouldn't be well known enough or that, uh, you know, um, I put no. Martha. No one's heard that. That, that wasn't part of the criteria. You could have put Pickpin. Oh, no. You can do whatever you want. I no, I know. A Whiskey Town song that nobody would have heard. Mostly just in the terms of like a song I wish I had written. Like it's like I'm not writing songs anymore, but man, I wish I'd written that song. Yeah. You know, one of those so kinds. You, you yeah. send me that song. I want to hear that song. I love Whiskey Town. But, oh, okay. um, you know, I'm also waiting for the, for the perfect time to unload my, uh, my 100% appreciation uh, for Jason Hisbol and all the music that he does. He's my favorite dri- former drive-by trucker. No well, yeah. Former yes. drive-by trucker. Yeah. He wrote some of their best songs, too, and still yeah, them sure. even better than than before. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, thanks for that shout-out, Joe. I love it. Yeah, just, you betcha. You're, you're right in his wheelhouse there, uh, Joe. Mm. Mm. Uh, uh, all right. Up next, Magnus. Magnesium. My third in my death trilogy <laughs> pick. Um and I, I'm going to come back to something you said, Patrick, for your last selection. Brevity and clarity yeah. are the key words for my last selection as well. There's a song by the British band Hot Chocolate mm-hmm. you know, in the 70s called Emma. And uh, they're most known for their song, um, The Sexy Thing, of course. Mm-hmm. But they have an incredibly sad, cutting tale in Emma. It's about uh, a couple. They were together since they were five. Emma was so pretty, a star in everyone's eye. And they grow up together. They get married at 17. She wants to become an actress. She goes on all these auditions. And as they grow older, her it never happens for her. She never gets that big break. She becomes more and more distant, more and more depressed. And, of course, it ends with him coming into their bedroom and finding her dead on on the bed. Suicide note in her hand apologizing to him she couldn't do it anymore she said like just couldn't keep living on dreams anymore just an amazing short story it tells literally from when they're children to her death and uh it was like it's been covered a couple times and sisters of mercy did a famous version uh andrew eldridge used to introduce it in concert by saying all those who have tears prepare to shed them now which, oh, is, yeah. glo- which is gloriously pretentious but they, they did a really amazing <laughs> version and um I, if you haven't heard it, I recommend you check it out. It's, it's a beautiful, sad tale. Magnus, was that your first exposure to Emma? Was the was Sisters of Mercy? It was, yep. Yeah. And I remember looking at the listing and saying, you know, that Hot Chocolate was credited to the writer. I'm like, Hot Chocolate? Yeah. yeah. And I went and bought a Hot Chocolate album and loved it. Most of it is very different than Emma. I mean, it's definitely typical <laughs> for their catalog, but still. Yeah. Well, wow. then you're, you're, like, you're like, I believe in miracles. Yeah. It's a good song. I prefer the Sisters of Mercy version because I think it fits the tone of the song. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I think so, yeah. Um, and, and like all of these great songs that we've talked about, you know, a lot of them, there's been a great cover. You know, the, the, an artist has latched onto some emotional core there and done a, like uh, Dave Matthews with... Um, Blonde Black Veil. So I like that. I like the sister's version. I love the hot chocolate version as well. But great narrative. Short, painful. um, And interesting to point out that um, we've referenced several songs that fit this topic that have many covers, you know, significant covers by, you know, very you know, well-respected yeah. artists. So it's yeah. sort of a commonality amongst the um, the storytellers of music rather than just the sort of like, um, you know, lyricists that write less narrative uh, songs, yeah. lyrics. Yeah. But, you know, it's funny, like like you, Patrick, as you're waiting for, you, you were considering tinkering your last selection. Um, I almost put a Lou Reed selection on this list. My problem was is I couldn't decide which Lou Reed. I, I feel like I'd be remiss if we ended this podcast without mentioning Lou Reed because he has so many great story songs. Mm. Oh yeah, now, that's maybe for a future uh, episode. You could do it. Mm. But good call. I also had Lou Reed on my list, and um, you know how how can you not? It comes right up when you think about these things and the way that those songs resonate with you when you listen to the stories they tell. Yeah. Any New York would would fit in this <laughs> in this part. Absolutely. Oh yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, back to Emma. I I I 
would it's 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 the Sisters of Mercy version, as I, I pointed out before, it just seems to fit what the song is intended to be. Yeah. And it's amazing. Sometimes you get songs like that, like by, by Hot Chocolate, where it's just like the 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 composition or at least the, the way they present it doesn't fit where the song is going. You know? Yeah. Sometimes it's perfect, like the wind that shakes the barley, but there's some there yeah. you know, there's you know, that's a good one. And uh <laughs> it's the other day. Uh Dead Can Dance, yeah. Yes, I, I was just listening to it this morning while I was taking my walk, and I'm like, I need to do something else. I need to switch it to something else. I, I can't. I, but the leaves were falling as I was listening to it. Then it was like, it set such a perfect scene. So like, oh, I got to keep listening to Living the Shades of Arley. Uh, but yes, that's an excellent, excellent, excellent choice, uh, Magnus. That's, uh, that's, that's a great, great song. Um, my, I think... I think my choice is the only one that may get some uh, guffaws here. Um, and it's uh, a song that I have on here because it was way, 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 way ahead of its time. Uh, and from an artist who's not known for writing his own songs. Um, and that is The Killing of Georgie by Rod Stewart. Uh, it's about the killing of a gay man in New York. Uh, in, true story again. Yeah, true story. It's a killing of a friend of his. Um, mm. in New York and it was way 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 ahead of its time I, I, mm -hmm. no one was writing a song about this in 1970 I think this came out in 75 76 um, no one was writing a song like that and uh, it's a complete narrative and it's an actual you know song I mean a lot of Rod Stewart songs are very particularly from like 68 to 75 76 were all uh, autobiographical in a sense, mm -hmm. they were like uh, Rod Stewart's, you know, own experiences intermixed with all the covers he does. Yeah, with all the covers he does. This was mm -hmm. a different in the sense it was a story about someone else. Uh, and it was interesting to do that sort of thing in the mid-70s when, let's face it, that was a completely risky thing to do. And uh, it's a complete narrative and it's a good story. And uh, you kind of are in, if you ever listen to the song, you're kind of are engrossed. It's very 70s sounding. It's, the, the production is very dated, but it's very uh, sad, yeah. yeah, but you, you are find yourself immersed in the actual story of the song. And I think it's breaks up there with one of his best ever tunes. It's a great Morgan, song. It's sad. I'm not familiar with that, but I'm definitely going to check it out. Yeah. It's from a night on the town. That was 1976. Yeah. It's the same album where he covered Cass Stevens' first cut as the deepest, right? Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, Joe bringing it, bringing it. Yeah, I just remembered that one. Uh, that those two songs are probably the best on there. Or tonight, right, tonight right. is a good song too. Tonight, tonight has I was only joking on it, um, which is one of his good. No, 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 no. I was only joking is on. Oh yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. I don't know what I'm thinking. Yeah, tonight, Wait, tonight. tonight Tonight's the night has uh, um, hot legs. What I have of Rod Stewart. Most of what I have of Rod Stewart is like the '80s hits, and then like, but like his '69 debut album, you know, the Rod Stewart album, mm -hmm. all the way up to like the mid '70s. Yeah, he kind of went into the disco era. You know, like I mean, I heard the best the best version. Like, do you think I'm sexy? Is a kind of a stupid song, but have you ever heard uh, the Revolting Ox version of that? It's very fun. <laughs> <laughs> Holding Cox was a was a was a side band that Al Jurgensen, you know, from Ministry had, mm -hmm. and he, there's some great songs. But one of the best songs on that album is is their version of Rod Stewart's "Do You Think I'm Sexy." That's it's a awesome. good. That's actually the best version of that song, I think. Yeah, it is. It's awesome. Yeah. Oh, the yep. Magnus left. Oh, he's back. Oh, thanks, Marty. It's a, a night on the town is the name of the Rod Stewart album. So you're saying yeah. the one that had, I was only joking is is tonight's the night, or no? It's a it's a Footloose and Fancy Free. Thank you. Okay, that's where. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was a great uh, side thing that meant nothing to anyone ever. <laughs> the two of us. I like it when we go on things like that. You know, we're just like that's people only... listening are like, God, that's yeah. And I realize this, and this is an uh, indicative of uh, Magnus, you, and myself, and not so much, yeah, not so much Patrick here, who yeah, uh, Pat likes to keep things on course. I, like I can, uh, yeah, I can see Pat le soul leave his body sometimes when we start talking about this maneuver. <laughs> so. <laughs> but uh nerding nerding it's exactly. 
to be fair, keep things on track, man. <laughs> Thanks. What's what's that, Magnus? I I don't think even Rod Stewart followed that discourse. No, he's like, <laughs> I don't remember any of this. Whoa! <laughs> My wife is fourteen. Oh, show. <laughs> Actually, there's a thing. There's a great thing where he, he, you know, like he he like so many other artists did an unplugged, you know. Mm-hmm. And there's this sure. great thing where he and, it, and it's with Ron. I hate Wood, many of them. Awesome. Uh, it's with Ron Wood, which of course was his guitarist, The Faces. You know, mm-hmm. like The Faces. I don't know if you guys have ever listened to The Faces, but they were awesome. Yeah. Um, Agreed. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but they did this thing where he's like, oh, "I remember this song from '71." It's like my wife was four. <laughs> so I was like, "Damn, good to be a rock star, man." Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was dear. Rachel Hunter at the time, right? It was Rachel Hunter. Yeah, it was Rachel Hunter. Yeah, yeah. Rachel Hunter. Now we've totally lost people. Rod Stewart's yeah, wives. Totally. We've totally we don't have that Rod Stewart path. I yeah, like that. exactly. Um, I, yeah, so that's that. And so, uh, kind of to sum up the uh, podcast so far, I mean, did this uh, kind of journey through story songs did it give you a greater appreciation of the the art of the of the of the song that's a complete story? I mean, uh, uh, Joe, this was your idea, so I mean, you obviously couldn't get any higher esteem for what you uh, presented to us already. I wrote like I wrote like thirty songs down. I mean, oh, seriously, yeah. there's just so many. You know, <laughs> there are just so many good ones. Like Jackson Brown's early stuff is a perfect example too. Jackson Brown's first three or four albums, there are great stories on those albums. Like for uh, uh, Late for the Sky. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah. Um, anything Warren Zevon ever wrote? Like I said earlier, John oh Warren Zevon. I, I, I could have. Lawyers, guns, and money. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's almost like you're pointing out what a terrible job we did, Joe, because there's so many things that we did not address. <laughs> we only have like, an hour podcast. I just want to make right. sure, like, my, if nothing, if we get nothing accomplished from this podcast, it should be that anyone, someone out there listening who's like, oh, I've only heard whatever crap they play on the radio. Oh, maybe this will help me, like, maybe listen to some good stuff, which is not on the Absolutely. radio. Yeah, well, and if, any, if anyone Brilliant. takes anything from these yeah. podcasts, this is actually kind of one of the reasons I wanted to bring us all together. It's because I want to give people kind of a, an idea of how we think of music, and maybe that will expose them to things they haven't heard before. And, right. It's like, hey, general public, we have super specific tastes. If you listen <laughs> to them, you might agree with one or two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I wait. We, I, think, I think between the four of us, we, we, we run the gamut. Yeah, we yeah, do. Right. For sure. Yeah. I think that's true. Yeah. Wait to wait Thanks till to you geniuses hear... like you and Magnus and, and you know and Morty who who know all the deep details behind the music. Yes, that's what people don't even want to know, man. Yeah. Just just yeah. wait till you hear Joe, Magnus, and I go on in on goth, uh, goth music. Oh, yeah. Uh, that that, that be... week. <laughs> <laughs> Pat, yeah. Pat'll be like, I'm done. I'm out. I'm out. I'm not doing this one. <laughs> Oh. he's already out Manny. Oh, he's already out oh there he was all right well thank you all for joining us on this one i hope uh, everyone enjoyed our like journey through story songs and uh, we'll be back next week with an even i think even better episode it's hard to top this one but it'll be even better, better every week morty better, better every, every week, week. Yeah, that's so, what we need to yeah yes. sure. so see you all next week goodbye